hot, sizzling summer is what we're talking about. A hot, sizzling, sizzling hot summer in the sun. And we have like covered a lot of ground uh, uh, with this. Check out the slide here, some of the pictures that we had. Uh, we had a beach ball. We had a pair of swim trunks, uh, park springs, and rise above. Uh, I see a snow cone there. And uh, Roar, the VBS weekend was that weekend. And then last time we talked about the beach, uh, finding your biblical beach. Um, which I think is really important, good for us to um, think about that and, and just have a place where we get away, right? We all need a place that we can get away. Maybe it's your den. Maybe it's uh, down the street or somewhere in the hills or in a tree stand. I don't know where your beach might be, but there ought to be one that you go to and get away. So we think of a lot of things. Today, uh, Jeremiah chapter 15 Uh, Jeremiah says this, your words were found and I ate them. That's a great picture, right? Uh, And your word became to me the gladness and the joy of my heart. That's a profound word, isn't it, from Jeremiah, that that God's word, like we feast on his word. And so today as we wrap up this series, we may go one more week and finish this up, but uh, we think about a cookout. And so we got our grill going on here. Um, we were going to fire it up, but that probably wouldn't be a good idea in here. Cook some hot dogs. We could, yeah, we'd, we'd see if the sprinkler system worked. <laughs> we could do it one time. It's a good call. Um, cook out a grill. So it's like a hot sizzling flames and smoke, and you know the smell of a, a cookout, slabs of meat. And so God's challenge to us today uh, for us is this, is getting to the meat of God's word. Getting into the meat of God's word, um, which is a great topic, which is um, a, a really important topic because um, because I think in the church as Christians it's really easy to to slow down and stop growing. We come, we get excited when we give our life to Christ and we come to Jesus and we we are real excited for a little while, but after a while we just kind of we find a nice comfortable place and we stay there, and we don't want to do that. It's not a good thing to do. And um, so we're going to kind of dig into that. There's a couple of passages of Scripture I want to look at and uh, kind of just think about these things and, and talk about getting to the meat of God's Word. Um, the church, the church uh, is two things. First of all, the church is perfect, isn't it? I mean, according to what Bruce just got done saying, through the blood of Jesus, the Lord looks at His church, the bride of Christ, and we are perfect in His eyes because of what He has done for us. Amen. On the other hand, the church is not perfect because it's made up of people like me and you who are not perfect yet. We're perfect in God's sight and the blood of Christ covers us, but I still am working on my my holiness and my own perfection and being more and more like Jesus. And so we're made up of people who are perfect in the eyes of God, but, but as we look around, we realize our human nature makes us still in the battle, right? We're still trying to to perfect our flesh, to get our flesh to line up with what we are in Christ. Uh, The church doesn't always stay relevant and effective either, uh, which is why the church, many churches shut their doors, right? Ever think about that? I mean, why do churches shut their doors? Because they don't stay up with the movement of God. They don't move and step with the Spirit. They die because they become old. 
and they're ineffective to the next generation, and they die. And the door's shut, the keys are turned over to somebody, and things are liquidated. So that's what happens with the church at times. We, when we don't stay relevant and effective, the church doesn't always operate on full participation either. In fact, it hardly ever does. Where everybody is doing like carrying the load together. The church doesn't always operate that way. One of the greatest struggles of, of all believers, I think there are many believers, is this, is, that, is this idea of growing up in our faith, like continually moving with the Lord like continually moving with God, right? Leaving the basic or the entry-level things that we learned when we were like infants in Christ behind us and moving forward to maturity, right? That's, that's why the church dies. It's because the church doesn't keep moving. That's why Christians fall away because they don't keep moving with the Lord. They don't stay fresh with God in their spiritual growth. Moving on to deeper things of God, the deeper things of God. Moving, you might say, from milk to meat. Right? From milk to meat. And there it is, right on cue. Right? That's, that's, that's part of the problem with, with uh, Christianity, with, our, with uh, believers, is that we don't move off the milk. Right? And that's, that's what we're getting at with moving to the meat. Uh, so the natural progression of an infant, you know, we all know, is that, you know, we've got a couple babies in the family and some breastfeeders. It's really kind of really a cool time in our life to have some little bitty ones. And, um, you know, the progression is they're born and they breastfeed, right? You know, and then they move on to uh, maybe formula or soft, soft foods or baby foods. Don't you love banana? The banana? Banana baby food is like the best ever. <laughs> and then maybe onto a little more solid foods, and then onto like like big people food. Right? That's the natural progression of a of a human being, physically. But what happens what happens in the church or with believers is that we don't keep growing up in our faith. We don't progress. Many become like stunted in their growth. And they just kind of like lay low and they, they, they're content to just get by. That first love to conquer the world for Jesus is gone. Started well, but didn't end well. This is true in our day. You know, we see this kind of thing all the way, all around us. Spiritually immature believers, fruitless followers, people who have loved the Lord for many, many, many years, but still don't really even know what their spiritual gift is. That's a problem, isn't it? They have no desire to take it to another level in service, in leadership, in teaching, in outreach. It's true today, and it was true in the New Testament as well. Uh, and the first scripture you want to look at is in 1 Corinthians. So flip there. This was true in Corinth. The believers there were hung up on some stuff. 1 Corinthians, uh, you can turn to chapter 3 if you want. They're hung up on stuff, you know, physical things. In this case, in Corinth, it was about who they were following. You know, they were hung up on, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow, you know, Cephas. You know, arguing about who is better, right? Who they're going to follow. It would kind of be like uh, you or me saying, you know, I love Dan's teaching. 
No, 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 no. No, Steve, he's the man. He's the man. No, no, Bruce, Bruce brings the juice. Bruce brings the juice. Or Kevin, Kevin, no, he's the man. He's the best. You know, it'd be like us fighting over, like, who should teach and who's better and focusing our attention on that rather than on what's important. And that's what was going on in Corinth in chapter 3. Here's what we see. Look at verse 1. Paul writes and he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Just think about that for a second. Paul says, I can't even address you like as people who who live by the Spirit of God. Because you're still, you're still worldly. Mere infants. I mean, that's, ouch, right? That's a slap in the face, isn't it? I mean, if someone came to you and said, you know, you've been a Christian for 30 years and you're still a mere infant. I mean, that'd be pretty, like, what? The dukes would go up, right? Those are fighting words. He says, mere infants in Christ. Verse 2, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And so that's, the, that's kind of the, the contrast right there is, is either you're maturing and living by the Spirit of God or you're not and you're still worldly and human, fleshly in your thinking. And Paul calls them out for not being meat eaters, right? He's like calling them out for not being meat eaters. Instead, they are milk duds is what they are. They're milk duds and Paul calls them out for this, right? Like milk, milk is good. Milk is okay. For an infant, milk is something that, that you need. As a brand new follower, it's something we need in our life as you begin to walk with Christ. Peter said, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk, but there's a time in life where you move on past the milk. And these people were not moving on. And so how does Paul describe them? Well, what does a milk dud look like? Verse 1, he says, I can't refer to you as people who live by the Spirit. See that? But you are still worldly. In other words, Paul is saying there there has been enough time that you should be down the road further, and you're not. You're You're just hanging out. You know, we're just hanging out with this, you know, this comfortable, I'm saved, everything's good, wonderful, and uh, I don't need to, to, to go any further. I don't need to push myself any further. And Paul is saying, you're still worldly. You, you, he said, I can't refer to you as people who live according to the Spirit. You're living according to the word that you received and was preached to you, but you've stopped right there in your tracks. Mere infants in Christ. Infants means simple-minded or childish spiritually childish, like not moving, stuck in baby mode. And that's what these, these believers were. Paul says, I wanted to give you steak. I wanted to have a nice cookout with you and feed you really deep things of God, but you aren't ready. He says, so we, 
stay shallow. You know, we'll just stay on the surface. We'll just keep feeding you milk. Paul points out the fruit of the milk here. He says, here's the result of just being on milk. You're hung up on jealousy and arguing over things that don't matter. Acting like, you're not acting like followers of Christ, but you're acting like human beings of the world that don't know any better. Carnal, fleshly. Right, that's that non-perfect church that, that we bring to the table because we're still trying to grow up and push ourselves and work with God as he works on us. He says, you're still focused on worldly things, not the things of God and not the things of the work of the Spirit, right? See, the Spirit has been absent from you, right? And, and you, you don't welcome him. You're, you're hanging on to the familiar, the black and white. And it's a little concerning, right? It should be a little concerning to all of us when believers are all about what God has done, but they have no vision or outlook for what God is doing. That should be concerning, right? And we should ask ourselves, like, I know what God has done. I've got, we've got it right here. Got it. I could study it. I could know it forward and backwards. And that's beautiful. That's where it's got to begin, but it isn't just about what God has done. He wants to do more in your life, like in this world, in our community, right? He wants to use us to reach a dying world, and he wants to use us to do that. The basic things that led them to the Lord, here's the, the problem, is these basic things that led them to the Lord are now like a noose around their necks holding them in place keeping them from moving forward. They are like safely tethered to their doctrine, but unable to set sail with the Spirit. Getting to the meat means moving on to the things of the Spirit. That's what it means. It means moving on to the things of the Spirit. That's what it means to move from the milk to the meat, is that we move together with the Word of God and the Spirit of God as we move forward. The shift must be made from the religious do's and don'ts to walking in the truth of God's Word as we listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit every day. We must move there. We have to. Some simply refuse spirit things. Maybe out of fear, right? Maybe because we're just afraid of what could happen or what might happen, or maybe we had a bad experience with what did happen. Or maybe it's just a reaction to what we see happening. Or maybe it's just out of stubbornness. We just never have done it that way. We're comfortable doing it the way we've always done it. And we're going to hold on to the things that are clean and clear. Wandering off with the Spirit could be a dangerous thing. Yeah, sure can, right? The Jews resisted, and they failed. Oh, they knew all about the Word, didn't they? I mean, they knew the Word better than you and I will ever know the Word. Keeping every jot and tittle, Jesus was sickened by their abuse of the law. They were so infatuated with it, they were so glued to keeping it, that they made rules to rule the rules. They had more rules than you'll ever have. 
It seemed that the Old Testament law and the prophets was their God. There's a fine line there, isn't there? There's a fine line between a lot of things in our spiritual walk. That we teeter, that we're careful that we don't teeter on the wrong side of of what's important, what's spiritual, and what's of Christ, and what's of the things of the kingdom because God is working in the world and he's using things, tools. It's totally possible to love the blessings, but not the giver of the blessings, isn't it? Like it's really uh, possible, we see this all around, to appreciate the creation. Love the creation, man, we're just going to go hug some trees. Just love the creation, but not love the creator. And it's possible to love the word of God and not know the author. Like so close, and yet so far. You know? They did not grab on to the living Son of God. That's what these Corinthians were being charged with. They had the basics down, but they did not grab on to the living Son of God who was right there in front of them, but they were, but were fully committed to the written law and the prophets. I mean, that was their go-to. And Jesus is right there in front of them, and they are holding on to these other things that should have led them to Jesus. It's not enough to just know the scriptures, right? Right? Or, or to have a mentality-driven relationship with rules and laws and religious knowledge. That's not enough. The Jews knew it, right? They knew it. They knew the, the written word at that time. The devil knows the word of God. We must walk in step and obedience to Jesus right now. Right now as we live our lives. In John 6, verse 51, look what, look what uh, Jesus said. I'm going to have to turn. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Do you see that? Jesus says, I am the living bread. I'm talking about feasting on something. We're feasting on Jesus. Jesus says, I am the living bread. I came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread, this bread is his flesh. This bread is Jesus. It's not all the things that God put in place to get us there. It's Jesus. Living bread. It's the person of Christ, right? Not ink on a parchment, not rules and regulations, not religion. All that God has done through the church fathers and through the prophets and through the prophets are a guide or a tutor that are to lead us to the real one. In Galatians, Paul said, the law was our guardian until Christ came, right? These things are to guide us and lead us to the one that is most important, the priority. And the word, if the word doesn't lead us to Jesus, then we have come up short and we're still sipping milk. 
As the Old Testament law and prophets lead us to Christ, so the new covenant and the work of the prophets lead us into a personal relationship with Jesus. The scripture as guide and compass and the Holy Spirit to fill us and lead us. The word of God is right, living and active. It's not dead on pages. It's alive and active, and the living Word of God is Christ Himself. That's not pointing us to historical documents, but to the very Son of God. Uh, Passage number two, Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, Jesus is led by the Spirit. You can remember this passage, well familiar passage, into the desert to be tempted, right? And that's um, the very Word of God. The very Word of God is led by the Spirit to be tempted. Like, think on that for a minute. Just think about that while you're going to Matthew 4, the first few verses. The very Son of God, right? The Son of God, who is the Word of God, the Creator of the universe, is led by the Spirit I asked Trish that. I tripped her up on that one. So if I would ask you before I said all that, who led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted, you would have struggled with that. Most of us, some of us would have said the devil, right? But it was the Spirit who led Jesus to the desert to be tempted by the devil. That says a lot about our faith right there because sometimes... You know, we may, God may put us in positions that are going to test us. God is not a tempter of us, but he will put us in positions where we have to fight through our faith and trust him and rely on him like Jesus did, right? So he's led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted, the very word of God led by the Spirit. After fasting 40 days, 40 nights, Jesus is hungry, right? I mean, he's hungry. 40 days, 40 nights, he's fasting. He's hungry. Of course he's hungry. And recorded are like these three things that the devil uses to tempt Jesus. Food, protection, allegiance, or worship, right? He points out some rocks to Jesus. He takes him to a high temple, the highest point in the temple. He, he, he takes him to this scenic overlook, and he's able to see all the kingdoms of the world. And it says that the tempter came and said... The tempter came to Jesus, who was being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and after, you know, during this period of time, or after these 40 days, the tempter comes, and he says, if you are the Son of God. Right? That's a, that's the, that's a good, that's a question, right? That's what the devil does. He questions you. He questions me. questions our faith. He questions truth, doesn't he? That's what he did to Eve. Did God really say you shouldn't eat? Really? Are you sure? You sure you got that right? That's what the devil does. That's one of his tactics, right? To trip us up by throwing out a question. Did God, or questioning an authority, or questioning the word of God, or questioning the Spirit's work in your life. If you are the Son of God, the devil is a great questioner. So the devil uses all kinds of tactics. Here's a few others. In 2 Corinthians 11, he disguises himself as an angel of light. All right? Looks good sometimes. He looks like something we can trust. 1 Corinthians 7, Satan uses our lack of self-control to tempt us. With Judas, the devil, the scripture says, the devil put the idea in his heart. 
The devil just like took this little seed, placed it in Judas's heart, and then just stood back and let it grow. With Jesus, the devil uses the word of God to tempt Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Right? You mean not everyone who quotes scripture and uses it to demonstrate a point is being led by the Spirit of God? See, the, the devil is using the word of God to manipulate Jesus. He doesn't misquote scripture, he misuses it. And when the Bible talks in Hebrews you know, 4.12 about, about the word of God being living and active, word of God, that, that brings two things together. The word of God is living and active. It brings together these two things, the written and revealed word of God and the living spirit of truth working together, together to confirm what God is doing, to convict what God is up to, to assure truth is God's truth and not somebody twisting the truth. Jesus said in John 14, remember he's talking about the Holy Spirit, that the Comforter would come, that he would teach, that he would make known, that he would guide them into all truth. And God, Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of truth. Right? Living under the written Word of God is the beginning it's the beginning of our journey in Christ. It's the milk of our spiritual nourishment and journey. We begin with the word and we put it into action, but it's living by the Spirit of God that we move on into maturity, the meat. Hebrews chapter 6, the writer says this, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death of faith in God. See, not only is there no need for any other foundation, right? There's no need for any other foundation. Christ has laid the only foundation that is need. He is enough. The teachings of Jesus are rock solid. But we don't need to keep regurgitating on the same basic fundamental truths. It's like staying in kindergarten, never moving on, never growing up. See, the devil questions Jesus' sonship in this, in this passage, his authority. He says, if you are the Son of God, he's challenging Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. And, and, and then on top of that, since you're famished, right? Since you're so hungry, then, then you will have like no problem. And you know what the words are there? If you got your Bible open, Matthew 4, he says, telling these stones to become bread. Not turning them into bread. Telling the stones to become bread. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You don't have to be on drugs to kind of like see the coolness of that. I mean, that's just cool. That's like, like the devil is tempting Jesus to talk to the stone to say, okay, guys, I need you to be bread. Like stone whisperer, Jesus, right? Verse 4, look at what Jesus says. Here's a slide. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
See, what Jesus is doing is he's declaring that every word of his carries ultimate authority. Every word of his. And so does, so the question for us today is, does God still speak? Does God still speak? Is he alive and working in your life, in our lives? Is he arranging? Is he ordaining? Is he orchestrating? Is God still alive, working and speaking into your life? The Word of God, without the Spirit of God, leaves you with a supernatural compass, but no heading for your life. Getting to the meat is about feeding on the very Son of God. Getting to the meat, moving from the milk to the meat, is about feeding on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus alone. His word, his truth, who he is, and all that the word of God points us to. Not getting stuck in a place, but moving on with him and his spirit moving in our lives. So the goal, check this out, is to know the word. The goal to know the word of God is that so that we can know the God of the word. Okay, look at that. The goal to know the word of God is so that we will get to know the God of the Word. It's about who He is, not stumbling on the things that talk about Him or the things that point us to Him, like they were stuck on in Corinthians. The last passage is in the book of Hebrews, and I'll move through this really quick. The writer is building this massive argument about uh, moving on to the meat, leaving the religious and the temporal behind. And uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, if you want to turn there, first couple chapters. In chapter one, there's, there's this talk about the angels, you know, how awesome are the angels. It's like if you saw an angel, you'd be like, oh, you know, you'd be like telling everyone the rest of your life that you saw an angel, right? You would, right? If you had some kind of, a, a, some kind of experience like that, you'd be like telling everyone about it, what God did. And then he says, but then he says, but then there's Jesus, and he is far more superior than angels. Right? In chapter uh, 2, there's this message of the old that came through the angels, right? The, the message that was received by the prophets to the angels, and the scripture says in, uh, there in Hebrews 2, as you're looking through that, that that message was binding, that God held his people to it. But now, there's the message of salvation, Life in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says that the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord, the Lord is spirit. No spirit, no Lord. No Lord, no relationship. In chapter 3 of Hebrews, if you're looking kind of eyeballs glancing through that there's Moses right he talks about Moses whoa Moses like he's a big dog Moses right Moses he's bigger than life but then there's Jesus and Jesus is greater than Moses greater than Abraham he's greater than Isaac he's greater than Jacob in fact you can go ahead and pile up all the the prophets and the apostles and anyone you want to pile up in a big stack and Jesus is greater than all of them put together the superiority of Jesus over everything. 
is what the writer is trying to get the readers to understand. And he says, look what he says there in, in chapter 3, he says, Moses was a faithful servant, get these words, faithful servant in, in God's house. But, but Jesus was faithful as a son over God's house. Far greater is Jesus than anyone. In chapter 4, there's this created day of rest, right? The seventh day rest and creation in that order. But then there's this eternal rest that we would find in Christ, right? There's this eternal rest that we'll find in Jesus, that we find in Jesus, right? And that's what, that he's building this case of this contrast of all the things that are religious and important to the Jews and to all that. Yeah, those are great. Those are wonderful. They, they got you somewhere, but they led you to Christ and he's superior to all of them. We come to chapter five, verse 11. Look what it says. We, he says, we have much, much to say about this. And what he's talking about is those first 10 verses in, in uh, uh, Hebrews five, where he's talking about uh, the, uh, the high priest set up, Right? Another one of those contrasts that there's this high priest, he goes into the temple, he brings on the sins of the world, and then there's Jesus. He is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And he is, he took on our sin. He didn't just like offer them to God, he, he became sin. And so there's this, this contrast between the worldly high priest that people would look at and go, whoa, he's the highest thing, like the Pope. Yeah, he's the highest thing on the earth to God. He's closest to God than anyone else, right? No, Jesus blows him out the water. And then he's wanting us to say, we need to put our eyes on Jesus, not these things. He says, we have much more to say to you about this, the high priest thing, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you, are no, you no longer try to understand. Check that out. Here's what he's saying. Since you are spiritually dull and don't, seem to listen. You know where they are? You know where they're stuck? On the milk. They're stuck on the milk. You're, you, because you no longer try to understand. You just kind of got happy where you are. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You ought to be teachers by now, right? That's what we ought to be as teachers. Been around this thing a long time, been around this faith, been following Jesus for a long time. Ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary tr truths of God's word all over again. You need, look what he says, you need milk, not solid food. And I, you almost see the tears falling from the Hebrew writer's eyes as he's thinking about this, as he's contemplating this, and he's, he's dealing with a group of people that he's, he's trying to encourage in their faith. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. And so what we notice is this. God expects us to grow up. He expects us to grow up and mature in our faith. That's what he does. He expects us to do that. That's what should happen if the word of God is truly coming in your life. We move on to more mature things in the spirit and in the word and in Jesus and in the kingdom and we become leaders and we become teachers and we become ministry-focused missionaries in the world. We go. Wherever the Lord leads us, we go. 
See, maturity is the goal. We don't become mature on milk. Solid food is the meat that produces maturity. The milk is just to get us through that phase of our infancy. We must move on to the meat. Getting to the meat is moving toward maturity in Christ. It's moving toward maturity in Christ. It's a hot, sizzling summer. Cookouts abound. (laughs) God's word for us today is this. When it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to serving the king and knowing Jesus the son, let us move and keep on moving from the milk to the meat. Father, we love you so much. We need you so much. And we're grateful, God, for all that you mean to us and all that you've done for us. We're thankful for all the the work and the the lining up and the orchestrating from from creation through the prophets, through all of what you did through Israel and leading us to this very moment in time. Help us not to get hung up or too focused on the things that pointed us here, but on the one that they're pointing us to. And help us, Father, to grow up in him. We love you and we thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.